Hello, everybody. Welcome to Mindful Metal Jacket. I am Joe List. I am happy you're here. Uh, my wife, this is not meant to be sexual, is showering right now and unaware that I'm recording this intro. So there is a chance that she exits the shower and comes out here and starts singing or talking. So you might pick that up. Um, I warn you because it'll be fun if it happens now. Now, please stop visualizing my wife showering. I'd appreciate that. Uh, how are you doing, guys? Uh, I'm well. I'm pretty well, as well as can be, right? It's a weird time, but um, as, as I talk about, if you just kind of sit for a moment, just a moment, and not worry about the future or the past or your finances or your next meal or your in-laws, whatever it is, just sit here. And you're all right for the moment. And again, it's not to dismiss everybody's problems, but assuming you're not listening to this while on fire or being shot at, you are okay in this moment. And uh, that's something we're going to talk about on this week's episode. Um, and I hope that um, this podcast is uh, helping you out. I've gotten a lot of nice emails and reviews and tweets and Instagrams saying that it is, um, and that really makes me happy and grateful. I just combined happy and grateful. Um, hard to have happiness without gratitude, am I right, folks? Put a little gratitude in your attitude. That's what I say. Anyways, I'm glad you're here. Appreciate it. Hope you're uh, spreading the word. If you do enjoy it, tell some friends, tweet it, Instagram it, Facebook it, all that crap, TikTok, uh, or just old school call or text, email some friends, tell them to get on board and listen because um, it'd be nice, you know, you just want to reach the maximum amount of people uh, that I can, I guess. Anyways, this week, really happy with this episode, recorded uh, the uh, interview portion yesterday and uh, it's with my friend Shafi Hossein. And I hope I'm saying his name right. We talk about that a little bit on there. I believe I am. I believe I'm nailing it. Shafi Hossein. He is a wonderful comedian, very funny guy, extremely smart and wise, as you'll hear in just a moment. He is uh, a comedian I met up in Albany. He, uh, I worked with him at the Albany Funny Bone this past fall, and we've seen each other a couple times since. And um, I think at the time, the podcast was just an idea or maybe I'd started recording it, but um, I immediately wanted him on. I was going through a period of great anxiety and panic over my recently diagnosed um, silent reflux, LPR, whatever it's called. And I realize now it is an issue and it is a real thing. But um, the main issue was my anxiety related to it. But anyways, I was bothering him the whole week talking about diet and all this stuff. And he was very smart and happy to um, answer all my questions. And, uh, I thought he'd be a great thoughtful guest and he proved to be that exactly. And, uh, he's from Bangladesh originally and his mother sent him to meditation boot camp, I think some good stuff. And, uh, we bonded big time in the middle of the episode over stoicism, which I've discussed, uh, on here. And, um, we talk about this book, but I'll recommend it now. Like a guide to the good life by William B. Irvine, which is a great book about stoicism and something I've gotten really into. And somebody recently just recommended the Daily Stoic podcast, which I've been checking out. So thank you to whoever you are who sent that. Um, I should have written down your name. But anyways, it's a great conversation we have. Shafi's really great. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. It's one of the favorite episodes that I've recorded. And uh, it's coming up here in just a moment. And I thought I would give you a fun quote. And it's a quote from the Stoics themselves. They're, they're wonderful people from what I can understand. I don't know. Maybe I, maybe not. I don't really know any other than Shafi and I guess sort of myself. But anyways, here's the quote. Curb your desire. Don't set your heart on so many things and you will get what you need. Hmm? That's similar to the Stone song. Boy, they're great. Anyways, thank you for listening. Please tell a friend, spread the word, be kind, and uh, enjoy this conversation I had with my friend Shafi Hossein. Here it is. Bye.
love the haircut, by the way. It looks really nice. Thank you very much. This is yeah. the pod now. This is it. We're live. So this I is all it. going out there. Oh, is it? That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You look good. Everyone should know that. You know, you have a great shirt like Mark Zuckerberg. You know, you're like uh, just wearing a very simple T-shirt because this is about minimalism. This podcast, I'm assuming. No, it's not. It's but about, it, well, it, I, I wouldn't say it's about minimalism, but it's right, about... Right, it's not. Um, have you heard the show before? Oh, yeah, 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 I have. I have heard uh, a number of episodes. Um, obviously, our mutual friend Isabel was on it. Oh, yes. Um, and I love that episode. That was really a lot of fun. Um, you just see you guys bantering and having so many inside jokes. Oh, um, thanks. Yeah. That was really fun. I love that when you st- like, I I love that whenever you start the podcast and you have this like such a zen voice. You know, I feel like I'm meditating, and it's amazing. It reminds me of like Eckhart Tolle. Like it's just so zen and just just in the moment, and it's beautiful. It's very very like it's it sets the setting really well for what's about to come or what kind of discussions the episode might entail. So that's oh. kind of nice. Yeah. Jeez, thank you. I mean, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. And um, I love Eckhart Tolle. That guy's my hero. <laughs> I, I used to watch his videos with like uh, 2x speeds because he would talk so slow. And it's like the dumbest thing I can do, right? It's like being in the moment, but like uh, double the speed. Like, why would I do that? That's <laughs> so dumb. I have a, uh, a bit kind of like that. I use the Calm app. Uh, oh, I love that comment. Yeah, love it. Oh, yeah, it's love great. It. But like, I noticed they have the 15 second skip ahead, fast forward button, <laughs> which is so funny to me. The idea of being That's... like, no, no, fuck this. I got to speed this up a little bit. Oh, like, I feel like I've, I've seen you do that at Funny Bone. Maybe it was like uh, fast forwarding to en- enlightenment. Is that what? Yeah. That? yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that. Yeah, it's so good. It's oh, great. thanks, buddy. I appreciate yeah. it. Um, um now you're to me your sound sounds a little funky, but I'm hoping it's just the internet connection. But the actual recording will sound fine. I hope so because I don't hear anything in on my end. So uh, oh, <laughs> fingers crossed. Hopefully it comes out well. All yeah, right, it's to do like it in and out for me, but I think that's just the actual computer audio, and then your mm. audio will be great. I'm this is a, a, a through line in the show as I'm concerned about the audio. I, I love it. Yeah, yeah. We're 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 starting with the anxiety. I love that. Well, it's important. Well, so first of all, am I saying your name correctly when I say Shafi? Oh, perfect. It's like you gave it. You gave is, me my name. Yeah, it was excellent. I was. Is at, that right? Are you oh, making fun of me? No, 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 not at all. Shafi is perfect. Like the other day I was at QED and the host like mispronounced my name, but it was the best mispronunciation I can ask for. He said shoddy. And I was just like so giggly about it. Like Shoddy, that's such a cool nickname. I I would love to be called Shoddy. Shoddy's great. I think that Sh- means like a sexy woman or a short woman. I don't know what it means exactly, I'll, but I'll I know take, it's... I'll, I'll take the sexy part, you know? <laughs> yeah. And how do you say your last name? Hussein? Just like, uh, yeah, just like Barack Hussein, your last president. Yeah, pretty similar. Now you said your. Are you not American? What the fuck is that? <laughs> you can't not, ditch us now. <laughs> I'm not American. I'm from Bangladesh. I was born and raised in Bangladesh, so I'm not a citizen. Are you not a citizen? Jesus no, Christ! I'm, Can I'm, you I'm, say that? Are we gonna get a, you in trouble? <laughs> I'm an alien, dude. That's what they call you. Call me. I'm an alien. Whenever I ta- I fill my taxes, it says that I'm an alien. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Are you in danger of being deported? I mean, now no, no, no one no. will take you. No, I'm legal. So it's like I'm not in danger of anything. But but I am. Like, it's it's so interesting because, like, if you if you were in Bangladesh and you were working there, you would be called an expat, which sounds hot, right? Expat. Yes. Like, I'm an alien. That's not hot. Like, what? Like, no one wants to be with an alien. No, and I don't actually understand exactly what alien means so there's illegal alien then there's <laughs> yeah, alien then there's yeah. immigrant i mean is it alien and immigrant the same thing i mean alien is the official title immigrant is when you have the certification that you are you're you're you can you will you can vote you can you can you can donate 
to elections. I, I cannot donate. That would be me interfering in foreign affairs. You understand? Like wow. Bi- Biden and Barney keeps asking me for money, but I was like, I can't give you any money because like I'd be, I'll, I'll go to jail. I can like tell people to vote for you, but that's the, that's the most I can do for your campaign. It's just like so funny. Wow, that's fascinating. Now, are you trying to become a citizen? Is that something you'd like to do? I mean, I guess you can wait till November to make that decision. <laughs> no, but it is, a, it is a slow process, right? It's just like the applications take time. Um, and I have lived in the U.S. for now eight years. So it just like takes time. I was a student and I started working. Um, so it takes it takes a long time. But like, and whenever people say, "Oh, it's so easy to be a citizen," it's just like not true at all. It, it's there's um, like you can you can become you can become a doctor faster than a American citizen. Oh wow! <laughs> and how is that coming along? Your doctrine? I'm not a doctor. Oh, I just I just assumed. <laughs> and I don't. I'm not saying that racially. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, no, I, I am, am actually. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I am an engineer, so it's like you could have guessed one or the other, and you would have been kind of right, right? Right. Well, you're so. a very smart guy because w- when we worked together, whenever yeah. that was last summer, I think or spring, yeah, we talked a lot about diet because I was oh, dealing it was with so fun. It was my I, favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I remember everything we talked about. It was just like the best. Oh, thanks. Well, we talked a lot. I was dealing with reflux and more more than reflux, I was dealing with anxiety, I realize now, was yeah. a way bigger issue than the actual and, reflux. And, and I remember you're eating a jar of peanut butter every day. That was the <laughs> entirety of our discussions. And you would like come to the green room and ask me if that's okay. And I would be like, I guess. Like I, I sent you articles to read about it. It's just like the funniest thing. Yeah, you kept sending me a lot of articles. I appreciate it. You were very patient. And um, Ian, Ian, Ian Fidance, not Ian Fidance. Philance. Philance, yeah, yeah. Fidance, yeah. yeah, yeah. We have two Ians, right? There's an Ian Fidance and an Ian Philance, but we he was hanging out. And yeah. uh, if I remember correctly, he, he was doing a guest spot and he ordered salmon, which if you're listening, folks, if you're a comedy fan, this is a no-no. The guy was not on the show. Literally doing a guest set, and he was like, "Can I order food?" And I was like, "Of course, man, you're on the show." And he ordered the fucking twenty-eight dollar salmon. He just went, you know, whenever like, whenever um my uh, work will buy me food, always go for salmon. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, of course. Why you never buy salmon on your own? But like, if someone else offers, yeah, I love salmon. That's what he did, and it's just the funny. And he was so scared after when we when like you will never get work again, and we have corona, so he probably will never get work again. It was fun. Did he have corona? No, no, no. I mean, we have all of. Oh, us now have. we have. Oh, I see. Yeah, I see. Yeah. We now no, it's we again. Before it was you Americans, and now it's we again. But I guess it's <laughs> well, an, it is global. So it is global. Yeah. How yeah. how is COVID going in Bangladesh? And do you still have family in Bangladesh? Yeah, yeah. My dad and my mom uh, is living in Bangladesh, um, and uh, my dad actually tested positive for COVID. Um, I. So he had he had fever for three weeks. Like the fever would just come in the morning and go go away. And he wasn't sure like what that was from. And then he got tested and he um just got the results like two days ago and told me that it was positive. And it wasn't bad. Like he was he is thriving kinda. Not thriving, but like he's doing fine. He's in 60. Um and then when he got the result, he was kind of scared, but I had to like you know, keep telling him that 98% of the people that get it are recovering. I know the news is very scary to look at and people are dying, but most people are, you know, going to be fine. So, um, that was, that was it. Um, it's just like a fever that he has, but he's doing fine. And it sounds like he had it for, he's had it for a few weeks already, right? Three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So I was looking at the research and the data and it says like three to six weeks is what the recovery rate is. And depending on the age and, you know, like people who are younger, just like recover way faster than people who are older. And my dad is like healthy, has always been. So it's like not been that big of a deal 
um, for him because he didn't even realize he just had fever and he didn't get tested for some reason. I was like, why wouldn't you go right away? But even if you did get tested, it's not like there is anything you can do about it besides resting. And he has been resting and like just quarantining by himself in a separate room. Um, right. So yeah, now, that's that's been fun. Now hmm. I know you to be a very uh, smart fella and um, pragmatic, and you read <laughs> a lot. I'm it's... I'm looking to you for some hope. How are you? Are you feeling hopeful at all about COVID? Are you worried about it? What's your level of anxiety and worry? And uh, do you think um, you know a vaccine and treatment is on its way or working? Well, any vaccine will take time to get to the public because you have to do so many different trials. You have to do placebo trials. You have to do, which is called the double blind. You have to like have a control group, right? You use a vaccine and you give the other group nothing. And you just pray that the, the effect of the vaccine is way significantly better than the control group. Um, and that's when you can introduce it to the public. And given that you don't have any side effects, you have to do a longer study to kind of study those side effects. And then you can potentially have it to the mass public, right? And given you are, we are in America, we will be the first ones to get it, which is double thumbs up, right? Which is good news for all of us. But it's going to take like, you know, at least April 2021, um, given what I have read from the studies like Germany was trying to be the first ones to invent the vaccine. But then I think I, the Trump administration wanted to buy that company out, which was the funniest thing ever. It's like, I didn't know that like a, like a, the administration can just go up to a company and be like, we're going to buy all of your IPs. And there was like a lot of drama um, surrounding that as well. Um, but yeah, like based on like the, I guess, I guess if you talk about comedy related anxiety, right? Like when will we be back? And I'm sure everyone is on the same boat, right? Um, I know Arizona was one of the first ones to like kind of open up and, but then they had some cases in one of the few of their clubs and then it shut down again. Um, but now I think people are getting more, you know, um, People are getting smarter about like doing outdoor stuff, rooftop stuff, um, park stuff are opening up. Uh, just hopefully people are not dying and it being safe and maybe that's the next thing for now. Yeah, and what that's what I kept saying too is like beyond uh, vaccine, which everyone thinks of as kind of like this miracle cure, doesn't it feel like treatment, it takes less um, tests and period to, to figure it out and treatment to me seems pretty good where... The old, you know, shitty people, you just hit them with an IV and uh, <laughs> they don't die, but they're sick, whatever. Like, you know what right. I mean? Like treatment seems not as, but almost as, as uh, beneficial as a vaccine and much easier and faster to get. And it seems like we're, we're progressing in that area. Yeah, we, we they like I think in the U.S. they're using some kind of drugs to just like accelerate the recovery process. But the idea is, if you don't have the vaccine, this will always be around. So they're trying to do with they're trying to do with coronavirus what we did with polio or smallpox, just like completely eradicate, which is gonna be a while right because right. the transmission is just so fast and the the way the the strain of this virus uh, the SARS is just so effective in being transmitted from human to human contact um that's the scary part the flu isn't as effective as you know the the common cold isn't as effective as the um as the covid so i guess that's the plan but it's going to take a while it's going to be there for a while obviously but so hearing you talk about it, you don't seem particularly worried. This is what I want to get to is anxiety and mindfulness. And now do you feel like you don't seem like you're someone particularly anxious? Maybe that's because you're young, but your your father has it. And mm. uh, so does it not worry? Is it something that you're, you're like, I can't control this, so I can't worry about it too much? Or do you just feel like you're you're young and youthful and you don't, you don't care about other people? Right. Like I... The idea of anxiety and depression is such a, you know, coming from Bangladesh, it's very different, I guess, right? So it's like a journey completely on its own for me of like how I kind of um, understood depression, how I kind of uh, got introduced to anxiety, 
how I kind of found myself, right? It's like, it's a lot of different things that can add to your anxiety and depression. I feel like it's not by its own. Um, so when I was, when I was like 10, I think I mentioned this, that my mom, my mother, my sweet, sweet mom, she introduced me to this quantum foundation in Bangladesh, which is the biggest foundation for meditation. Um, and meditation is not something that people really talk about in Bangladesh before this, before this meditation was not something that people did. And so the, the reason my mom introduced quantum foundation to me is because they had like a student program which was all about like mantra meditation you would you would give you give yourself like positive affirmations that oh you're gonna study today or you go to your they they do this uh, place it's called like a dream house where you go to your dream house and then you have a command center where you go to that command center and command yourself how you're gonna spend the day Right, like how you're gonna you're gonna spend two hours of studying, two hours of working out, two hours of playing the p- whatever you want. You tell your brain, and because like there's enough scientific evidence that shows when you're meditating, your brain goes to that theta state where it's more prone to taking suggestions from yourself because like you're just like thinking about it differently, not like just being autopiloting throughout the day. So my mom's like motivation was that I'll be a better student through that. So that's why she made me do it. And that was like the best thing I've ever done. Like I was so blessed to like find this thing that my parents don't really like everyone in my family kind of went through this meditation track, like the boot camp that I went through, but they don't really practice it as much as I do now. Um, so I've been very lucky with the expo- ex- like being exposed to meditation at an early age. Um, but then like, you know, like the idea of depression is not really like talked about in Bangladesh and South Asian communities. And I'm sure you know about this kind of, it's not like really, uh, prevalent to talk about. It's just like something like Bigfoot. Like, what is that about? We don't really, you know what I mean? We don't really understand it. So we don't really talk about it. And why Um, is that? Is it like, like the way in Ireland, they don't talk about things or is it taboo or is it just, I guess, I guess when you have people dying from poverty people don't get to talk about depression yet you know what i mean they're like bigger problems i guess and that's why it's like it's like cornered which is not good because that could lead to like so many other problems that people don't really understand it's like it's a manifestation of other things that people don't realize i guess and that's why it's not given like like we one common thing about every part of the world is that we care more about dental hygiene than about mental hygiene right like we floss like brush every day floss every day Mm -hmm. but like no one talks about going to a therapist as often you know um right which is is insane because like because like you rather have yellow teeth than have to have have to cry at starbucks again or something like that like that would be crazy like why would you um like people have cavities but i'm sure what hurts more is the void in their soul you know what i mean like why would you not go to a therapist it's way more important Um, yeah completely and to me, that's like the dream, like to be 10 years old and be introduced to meditation. Like, I, I think we should be introducing young, young children, in like preschool and kindergarten to meditation. I think like all of the world's problems, not all, but so many of the world's problems would be solved if we started teaching med- meditation and mindfulness. Oh, 100 percent. I completely agree with you. Um, because like that was like, so that was something that was always in the back in my head that oh meditation is this something that you can use to really harness your brain right but i never really truly appreciated it till i went to college right when i moved to the states and i i you know i met people that were really depressed so like i feel like there are three types of sadness right there's the there's the clinical sadness which is like you really need drugs to treat them right and then mm-hmm. there's sad sad which is like toxic people just being sad and there's good sad there's like no happiness i think there's good sad meaning that you get sad but you realize why you're sad and you try to affect change in your life right cuz like i people like with the amount of trauma and sadness we have in the world it's it's obviously very reasonable to be upset about things, right? But like sure. the way you deal with it, I guess, is kind of what what is up to you, right? And that and my introduction to stoicism, I guess, was one of the biggest um, things that kind of changed how I look at life, right? Like stoicism's idea of negative visualization and yes, um, goal setting of like what? Oh hell yeah, I love look that at this. book. 
I got a that's, guide to the good life, the ancient art of stoic joy, right next to me. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a book I sent to all of my. I have a PDF version of that book, which I will send to every single of my friend who wants to learn about stoicism. Like William Irvin, that guy just changed my life. It was just like one of the best books I've ever read, and yes, I, so good. You want to talk about how you came across it and how yeah, you well, feel about so the book? I feel like I interrupted you because I got so excited that you no, mentioned stoicism, great. and I just happened to be holding this book uh, yeah. a moment before. This is what I was reading right before we started recording. And um, I forgot what I was going to say. Yeah, I sent a copy to uh, Robert Kelly, who's got some mental problems, certainly. And um, <laughs> I, I, I sent a copy to him. He's also a past guest, and he was terrific on the podcast. But um, yeah, no, Stoicism. Now, when did you... I'll talk about when I discovered it, but when did you discover it, I want to hear? I discovered in college, and there was a reason behind that. I guess um, I was becoming more because I grew up kind of religious, right? And then I kind of was moving away from it. And there's this void, right? Like, like God is this huge deal, right? Pe- for people who are religious, this huge deal. And once you're like moving away, you feel very scared because, like, the other book that kind of changed my life was the denial of death, which kind of plays hand in hand on how mm-hmm. I look at the world. Um, because that, that idea is pretty much how, like in the book, the author, Ernest Becker kind of posits the idea of how humanity is just a reaction to the idea that we are all, uh, mortals and we don't like to die. We don't want things to end. So we created these three things to solve the, solve that problem. Um, one of that being is like, oh, we're not actually dying. We're going to heaven. You know, that solves that problem right away. Um, so that, like having that in my head, I was like, okay, okay. So like that makes sense. Like how how can I cope with stuff like that? How can I be okay with death? And that was kind of my journey to finding more philosophy, like reading more about Stoicism and the myth of Sisyphus by Albert Camus. And all of that kind of helped me understand myself and my, just make me more grounded. Um, right. Because like if you if you look at if you, if if when I started looking at my friends who are like you know engineers very smart people and doing great things in like you know their companies and whatever but they're never like happy they're always chasing the next thing and it's like they feel like and and comedians as well I have like so many friends and I'm sure you have seen that as well where they're always like looking for the next Netflix special or the next big thing right like for example if you if you're an open micer you want to be on a show if you're on a show you want to be on a festival you have a festival you want to have a late night if you're on a late night you want a Netflix you Netflix you want a TV show they, the, the baseline of your happiness is always going to shift because you're never in the present. So like when I when I when I see my friends going through that, I I I made it my goal just to be okay with where I am, but at the same time doing things I love every day to counteract the anxiety. It's like I have a checklist of things that oh, if I'm anxiety, I know what things to do that will make me happy. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. And I think they talk about in this book, the idea of hedonistic adaptation, right? The idea that you adapt to whatever your new level is, and then you want that next level, even though your goal before was to get, say, if we're keeping with the comedy analogy to get, you know, Pat, I want to get, I want to work at the comedy cellar, right? You get past and you're excited, but your level of happiness doesn't really change after that initial moment of realizing it. And then you're like, God, I want to do the 8 PM show on right. Saturdays at the cellar. I'm just doing these 1 AM spot. And then after that you go, Oh, now I'm just working at the comedy cellar. And that does exist. I think in, in, in all professions, probably hundred uh, percent to some degree. Yeah. But right. I, I've talked about this before. I think a big part of that, um, at least in the United States and probably in, in most countries, is it's learned behavior in that you go to preschool to prepare you for kindergarten, which prepares right. you for elementary school. And that, and you're always throughout your life going, but this next level, that's when it really matters. And if you don't do well here, you won't do well at that next level. 
Right. And then before you know it, then it keeps going through work and you're working so you can have a retirement. For sure. And, it's, it, uh, yeah, it's it's like the nuclear arms race, right? It's like, oh, they're building a nuke. We have to build a nuke. You know what I mean? No one's really using the nuke. It's just like you're just using your resources to build this nuke and no one knows for what. Because like you right. know that if you use that nuke, it's going to destroy everything. But no one really uses that. I don't know if that's a, that's a one-to-one analogy, but I don't know why I thought about that. Yeah, it's good um, enough for me. I'll take it. <laughs> but but it's like it's also like um, reliant on parenting, right? Because our parents love us so much, and they want the best for their kids. So they kind of tell you that, oh, you have to do well now so that you can do better later. And even now, when I have conversations with my parents, like even if I'm doing well in my job, in my whatever whatever I'm doing, if I'm doing well, they have this question of what is next, you know, the question of, are you going to do a PhD? And I know if I do a PhD, they'll be like, when are you going to be the CEO? If you're the CEO, when are you going to be the president? You know, it's like, there's always, because, and the idea behind it is because maybe that they're bored and doesn't know what to talk about. And that kind of, kind of, you know, propagates through other people, how they, they, like talk to other people because like that's kind of the you know when, whenever you see someone at a party you're like oh so like what do you do not like 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 why is it not something else but that why is that the standard question i guess because we right. value value that i had a moment like that with um a family member i had some like you know i hang out with my nephew and niece and my cousins and they're all kids and i was kind of asking them what what do you want to be and they all have i want to be a veterinarian and I want to have this house and do this. But it was interesting to me because I kind of had this thought of like, but what kind of person do you want to be? Who do you want to be? Is almost a better question than what do you want to be? Because it, sure. it ties in this thing of like, you are your profession. Yeah. I am a dentist instead of I am a, a person or a soul or a being or a friend or whatever right, it is. Right, right. But you're so much more than that, right? Um and that that's one thing that stoicism kind of helped me with. And also there's this meditation I used to do, which was just like, um, just thinking about death and how you'd want, what kind of legacy you'd want to leave behind. Um, and that's important in the sense that like, if I do all of the different things I want to do, and then I think about how the sun's going to be the solar giant and destroy the planet, you know, it's just like, oh shit. Like, why did I, like, what is the point then all of this? Right. I'm not trying to be like this, like, you know, existentialism, um, but like Albert Camus, uh, like the myth of Sisyphus, he kind of talks about and deals with that brilliantly. I don't know how much. Um, you're interested in learning about this, but like one th- one quick note on that is that the myth of Sisyphus is this guy who like you know rolls that rock up the mountain every day and then it falls back on him, and that's kind of similar to how lives are nine to five job every day we're brushing we're doing the same kind of thing but then there's this there's this meaningless meaninglessness behind that but then albert Camus kind of writes about how but that's the condition and you gotta make the best out of that condition and just create or find your meaning and try to make it better and that's how i feel like you kind of talk about it in your podcast in the past about how you, know, you just want to be kind because that's the momentarily that you're making people around you feel and that's how you want to be remembered just he was a kind soul and that's way more important to me too than like oh he had this so many different things that he was working on you know yeah I, it's interesting i thought of this a, a couple of minutes ago but i think maybe it fits into this part of the conversation as well but i've been thinking about with no comedy um which is what you know we do for a living that the the ego level of comedy has been kind of taken away from our lives in that like for me like you go i go on the road every week and you're picked up at the airport by somebody who's a doorman at the club and is often a comic a newer comic and mm. they go, hi, Mr. List, how was your flight? They, they grab your bags. And it's sort of, the sort of level of this person sort of feels below you. It's as, as ridiculous as that sounds. But like, they're right. like can, I, can we get you anything? Can we take you to get you food? Can you do this? And so you kind of have it, it, it sparks that ego a little bit. And then you're in the green room. And then a lot of times the feature is they're, you know, doing less time. They have less credits. And they're going, oh, man, this is so exciting. And the MC is even below that part. There's this sort of hierarchy right. for sure and then, 
and the, the club goes, can we get you anything? Yeah, if you need anything, call us. If you need anything, and you're sort of this very important person. And so the, the ego is very much involved. And then right. even back in the city, you know, there's you're on the show and you're like, I got to follow this guy. That guy's going to be a killer. He's he's better than I am. And then yeah. this person goes long. And well, what, where does this guy get off going long? And then this person's doing a guest spot. They're just kind of new. And so there's right. all this um, sort of uh, class system and levels. And that has been completely taken out of my life. And it's really nice. There's no feeling of like, of hierarchy and ego has been sort of stripped away. And it's quite delightful, I have to say, to not have that. And I, I don't know what made me think of that, but that's sort of in that same level of, oh, this person has done these shows and this person has more credits than me. So you can go first and you can do that. Right. It's, this feels much more idealistic to just see everyone on the same level for the time uh, being, at least. I'm, I'm glad that you're not being affected by the millions of views people are getting on TikTok. You know, that's 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 good <laughs> to know, because like people are killing it out there on TikTok, getting 10 million views. That's their next credit, you know? Um, yeah, I'm, I, I couldn't do TikTok. I tried. I hate TikTok makes me crazy in that as soon as you open it, it's already playing it just immediately it's just some crazy shit and it just goes from one thing to another it, it makes my brain ache it, isn't tiktok like just like the uh, cousin of vine like i don't understand like why did vine get bought off and then just like banned and like destroyed and then tiktok just makes the same kind of thing like i don't understand like what's the fuss about it i'm not i'm not sure but i i hate it and i hate <laughs> social media i'm addicted to social media but i'm a, i want i'd like to talk about that too i'd love to talk to everybody about the the role uh social media is playing in all of our lives in this crazy science experiment that we're all in but oh for sure i, f I feel like i might have taken us away from a, a juicy topic of stoicism because Let's i'm really enjoying to it, it too yeah yeah i mean tell them a little bit about what you mean by or what they mean by negative visualization which it sounds counterintuitive but i'm really enjoying it and it really okay. helps Right. So negative, it hit me one day, I was walking across my campus pond and I saw a few of the students feeding bread to a duck. And that image will always stay with me forever because that very morning, right? I saw this report on Syria. I know this is going to get depressing. For some people, right. <laughs> there was this report in Syria. There was like a live bombing that went down. This reporter went into this building and saw this kid, like a six-year-old kid. And he was like bleeding. And the reporter had asked him, can I get you anything? And the kid looked up. It was like tears. And he said that I haven't had food in a while. Can I get a piece of bread? And it hit me that we treat our ducks better than humans in other countries, right? And that is the idea of native visualization is that no matter where you are, there's someone worse off. Not that you should feel better about it, but you should just feel so lucky that whatever state you are, other people are like, will give up so much to just be where you are. And it should always be like a state of bliss, not like, oh, I can do better, but like you can do way worse. So that's like the negative visual. Like if you, if you like think about it, if you have like, if you can walk, you're amazing that there's people with like one leg. If you have one leg, there are people with like no legs. So you can just like subtract, keep going till you are in coma and you don't right. really think about it. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of um, Sam Harris who has the waking up app and it's fantastic yeah. and he's right. fantastic. And, right. and um, that's his app. Uh, he did a he had a conversation with Bill Irvine. William, he called him Bill Irvine. William Irvine mm, is, yeah. is whatever author's name. And they talked about stoicism and that introduced me to the idea of stoicism. But um uh Sam Harris was talking about how right now, as we're speaking, if you're sitting here listening to this podcast, there are at least a minimum of 1 billion people that would do anything to trade lives with you. Oh, that more than if that. If they switch to, that's why I said minimum. <laughs> if, they, <laughs> if they switch to your, whatever you're dealing with, whatever your problem is, right? if they switch, they would consider all of their prayers to have been answered. When right. you factor in all the people with no running water, disease, all that stuff, terminally ill, you know, uh, 
whatever. I mean, all of those things that we could name. Right. Just by the nature that you are listening to a podcast right now. Oh. You're doing better than at least one billion people. Minimum. Oh, for sure. Like the idea <laughs> of podcasting is that you're trying to self-improve, right? And that's the highest pyramid of Maslow's hierarchy. You have like stability, food, shelter, love, gr- and then comes your own growth. That's like the least thing, least important thing in the pyramid. And so if you're listening to a podcast, like you are that, you're just trying to improve yourself. People are not, people are not trying to improve themselves. People are just trying to survive, get food. And there are like so many enough, like enough stats, right? On this, like half the population in the world earn less than $2 a day, which is less than a caramel macchiato. And that's like the, the honest truth. It's obviously we're so lucky, but but the thing is that I also don't want to minimize the suffering that people go through in this country is because they don't have a subjective understanding. Not maybe they don't, they don't understand the relative difference between because they haven't seen that around them as much or talked about or obviously like I guess parents always talk about oh but like kids in Africa but that's not really connecting with anyone right like kids in africa is this just like abstract thing that people throw around but it doesn't mean a lot i guess right that's a good point and yeah i I also yeah don't want to uh minimalize the the struggles of depression and anxiety because i've struggled mightily in my life and it's hard it's it it takes sometimes it's hard to see it so many of these things i find in therapy meditation, Buddhism, all this stuff, you have to hear things sometimes 20 to 100 to 1,000 times before they really get through and connect. Because mm-hmm. um, some people are probably listening to this right now being like, oh, shut up. I don't give a fuck. Like, it's hard <laughs> if your, you know, unemployment's about to run out and your rent is expensive or whatever it is, and you're going, I don't care. I don't care about a baby in Africa. I don't give a shit. I have rent in two weeks and I don't have income, which yeah. I understand. But the point is, you could, at least you could take a moment to understand that you do maybe have windows. Like that's something that Bill Irvine talks about in this. If you just go back a couple generations of your own ancestors, like they had blueberries in the summer. That was right. it. You had to wait for fruit, you know. There was no window. Anything could just fly into your home. There was no right. heat, no AC. So all of those things, just the fact that you have electricity and don't have to think about electricity. Right. You can at least spend time being uh, grateful for those things, even though it, it's not like it's just going to solve your problems thinking about it this way. But it is nice to think like, oh, I do have a mattress or yeah. shoes. Yeah, I think that's the problem is that we are product of our society and the way america works at times sadly mostly good people mostly good things don't kick me out um <laughs> is that we have 90 day 90 day fiance but no 90 day retreat as a reality tv show you know so like it's like you see you become what you see and we don't really talk about meditation and meditation has like en- enough scientific evidence to like treat anxiety which uh, and there, there's this uh neurotransmitter called the gap which which is which it does is reduce that and helps you with coping mechanism because you are like being mindful and when you're meditating you're also being very like you know um very aware of your health because like a lot of meditation is just like being grateful about what you have and that practice is so important and though those things add up to like being less depressed because you're working on that mind and working on that being grateful and that's why like you your point of introducing meditation at an early age is huge it will do so many benefits even though if someone is not doing it every day right and an- another part of um stoicism and negative visualization is spending a few moments, not ruminating and obsessing over, but waking up in the morning, and this is something I started doing, is to wake up and to imagine for a few seconds that my wife is dead. Oh my God, bed. I do that all the time. I used to do that all the time. I know it sounds so creepy, but 
like the way like obviously i'm not married but like the way i realize that i care about someone a lot when they're sleeping i look at them and i imagine them being dead and if i don't feel sad i'm like okay i have to move out you know what i mean like this is not gonna work out i don't feel anything so like this is yeah it's a great test you look at them sleeping and you imagine them dead which is not like you're hard to hard to do because they're already sleeping and then if you don't feel any sadness you walk out of that relationship yeah, so I mean, you take a moment and to imagine the worst case scenario that um, could happen, and then you can be grateful that that has not happened. Like yeah. I, the idea that when you woke up while you were sleeping, your entire living room and kitchen could have burnt to the ground, and everything you've ever owned is is gone, and then you go, "Oh, it's not. It's here." And and and, and what that also helps the negative visualization with your partners is that at times, you know, when you are living in long relationships, we tend to not maybe intentionally, but we tend to take them for granted, right? And then when you do that, that they might be gone by the end of the day, you just like have that more appreciation to say, oh my God, this is so amazing. Maybe this is the day we have and I want to cherish every second, even though I have to do like a thousand other things. But like the moment I come into your um, co- I, I come in contact with you. I'm going to add, I'm going to give my everything to just like be there and listen. And then maybe have to go and do something else. Right. And another thing along those lines that there's another Sam Harris, um, sort of like brief meditation, similarly based on the same thing about there will be, we do, and this might come off depressing it to when you first hear it, uh, but <laughs> there is a limited amount of time. We do have a finite amount of time. And every single thing that we do, there will be a last time we do that thing. Mm-hmm. So even things as as just uh, sort of whatever, of like taking a shit or brushing <laughs> your teeth, as you've brought up a couple of <laughs> times, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. or whatever it is, right. doing a, a show, getting on the train, flying, uh, there will be a last time you ever do that. For sure. And it's, it's a fun sort of exercise or visualization to imagine that this is the last time. Like I went for a run in Central Park the other day and I was starting right. to be sore and get tired. And I just started visualizing that this is the last time I'm ever at the reservoir in Central right. Park. This is the last right. run I'm ever going on. And it does give you a little bit of feeling of like, let me really enjoy this because a lot of things you'll do for the last time without being conscious or mindful that it is the last time you're ever right. going to do that. Like there's certain things that you haven't done in years that you used to do that you just don't even think, think about. about. Yeah, it's just yeah. like lost in the other things I have to think about, right? That's the that's the beauty of I I feel mindfulness is is that you really really appreciate being there, and that helps so much with so many different things. Right. Well, this is great. I feel like we're in a great place here. I mean, we should just <laughs> we're like the, the wisest yeah. men in the world. We yeah, have we no should problems. just make. Yeah, we should just make out. I would love that. Let's. Uh, where are you? Where are you located? <laughs> I'm in uh, where New you York live? You live City. in like the Bronx or something? Yeah, up, yeah, yeah, upstate? yeah. Yeah, no, I'm in the Bronx. It's not upstate. It's literally 20 minutes away from you. What do you mean? I can no, drive to you. No, I was thinking, I, I knew I had the, you north of me in my head. I can I can do this podcast and drive to you right now and then be outside your house, knock on your window. That's all right. All right, good point. We'll make love. It'll be a little... Does that make me an alien if I make love to an alien? Oh, did you um, know this? Did you know this? Between 1904 and 1920, um, if a American woman married an alien, she would lose her citizenship. Isn't that the wildest thing? Like an American oh, wow. would lose their citizen if they married someone from a different country. That's biz- only for women, not for men. So <laughs> we're still winning. Yeah. So that's fine. Go men. One, one more. Um, it's, I, I don't know. I just had like tidbits, facts about uh, aliens in America. Wow. Well, that's a hell of a lot. Well, maybe someday we'll bring that back if things go right. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, now, where do you fall in? How how are you with your social media use? Are you addicted like everybody else or do you hate it or you're not so bad with it? What's going on with you? I'm with the, not. With the smartphones. I, I have all the different mediums just, you know, if people want to reach out or find and that's to the extent I am. I don't do a lot of tweets. I don't do a lot of TikTok. I will advertise stuff that people want me to advertise. Or if I'm promoting a show, um, I'll promote that so that people can, you know, people can help out the venue and stuff like that. So I do that. Um, but I don't obsess over it because I, I can feel like th- there's this weird 
relationship with the phone, right? Like I am on it, I'm with it, it's useful, but like whenever I go on a hike, I never take my phone and I feel liberated. It's just the best feeling ever. It's just like, oh my God, like no one can reach me. It's like you just shut down because like that notification, the blue light or whatever light you have, it's just like annoying because you just like look at it every few seconds. And that, and we haven't done that as a species ever. We didn't like look at something every two minutes. So it's... Yeah, it's really, I'm so fascinated with because, I mean, I it is a full addiction and it's one of those addictions similar to food where uh, you do need it. It, it at least feels that way especially like for if you're in i keep saying in comedy but i think a lot of professions like this now any profession right. where you use email and you're in contact with a lot of people especially during this time that we're living in is there's more and more use of your phone so like i have to use my email i have to sort of be a part of social media in some degree and I do use it to text people. I'm in contact with a lot of people a, a day. I'm a very popular guy, as you know. <laughs> and, but And I do think it's incredibly healthy to reach out to a lot of people, to have communication with a lot of friends and loved ones. And so I use it for that. But my problem is I'll, I'll text somebody, and then while I'm waiting for them to respond, I'll go check Instagram or email or whatever it is, and it mm. becomes extremely compulsive and out of control and unnecessary, I am doing better. And I deleted Twitter off of my phone and I only go on there now. I feel really proud of myself. I, I'll, if I have a joke, I sign in, I write the joke, I hit send and I don't check that's any beautiful. of the ads or anything. And that's really been helping me. And I've gone that's, days without looking at it. Yeah, I realized that I was getting um, getting on social media a lot more than I would like myself to be on it. And I used this um, blocker on my Google Chrome that would like like give me like 10 minutes and then log me out automatically. And I would have to disable it or some something. I, did, I have to take extra steps to go back on it if I wanted to. Um, so that kind of helped. That That's one of the tools I had used. And then this book by Cam Newport, it's called The Deep Focus. And this guy is just like a computer scientist and also writes books. And he just like writes about how to do meaningful work or going into that flow state, which I love the idea of going to like when you're writing something for a long time, you feel so alive because you're just completely in the zone and not thinking about anything like playing a sport or playing anything that you are meditating. You're just being in the zone. And that is kind of the idea he kind of puts forward in the book. Like he, he's not on social media, but people find him through email and his blog, but he doesn't find it a very useful tool to have. But obviously it's very different for comedians because they have to kind of market like a mention it. it's useful. But if you, if you're kind of mindful, like you said, like just the entire idea of this podcast, being mindful about it and uh, using it for using it for the specific purpose of the thing that you just mentioned of like tweeting in and tweeting out, I guess that's huge. Right. Yeah. What was the name of the book he wrote? The book is called deep focus. So he talks about how this great scientists or authors would just like have weekend boot camps where they would just like go and just like for the sole purpose of like writing like a chapter, just like um, making time for yourself away from everything else. And that's the that's the same idea with social media. Like when I go on a hike, it's just like you don't want to think about that part of your life for a for us for a segment. And I feel like all of us can do that by maybe saying that okay from from uh I won't go on my social media till 7 p.m. or 10 p.m. And then it's like intermittent fasting for your social media, right? Like I do intermittent fasting and before that there was, you know, there's food anxiety as a thing, right? Food anxiety where you wake up, it's like, where's my eggs? And that's just like marketed to like for all of us. Like no one needs breakfast, right? Like Kellogg's was just like master marketer who was like, no, you need cereal. Like no one needs cereal. Right. Um, so intermittent fasting helped me like not, not like think about food for like extended amount of time and just be more focused on whatever I'm trying to do. So I, I feel like that same tactic can be used for social media. Um, Interesting. I, and does he, does the book address social media or is it an old book? I mean, does it, cause I, I need like constant. I reminders. have the PDF. I'll send you, I'll send you the PDF if you want me to. 
Oh, sure. I, yeah, but, I have like I have like PDF off all my favorite books. I just send it to people, whoever wants them. Oh, that sounds great. But I have to look at a, a piece. I have to look at the computer or a phone to read it then. E-book, just you, can, you, you, can, you can do an ebook reader or you can print it out. <laughs> but like, I, that's why I still buy physical books is that the idea of like just being away from any, any kind of machine. So I know what you mean. Yeah, I love, I mean, I love physical books. I have too many if I buy them compulsively. I've got, I, I'm always reading <laughs> like three or four books at a time. Right. Yeah. Um, but it does help to put the, put the phone it's not just social media. It's the phone itself. Like it's always next to me and it's like, it's making me, sometimes I feel like physically ill just even seeing the visualization, the, the, the actual the sight of the phone. Right. Yeah. Right. For sure. It's like, it's like if you're like, like I love brownies, but, but if I have too many brownies, I'm going to puke. I hate it. You know what I mean? But like, that's <laughs> the same idea. It's like, you can't, you, you want a brownie, but you don't want the brownie to be like going to going to the dentist with you like the brownie is not supposed to be at the dentist or the doctors it doesn't matter just leave the brownie home at times now this is that's a great analogy but now this is the fourth time you've brought up something dental i feel like this deep-seated <laughs> did something happen when you were a child you're like brushing your teeth we have dental health you go into the dent i mean this is this is four now throughout an hour it's once every 15 minutes you're bringing up something dental yeah, uh, I, and you have I, a great I, smile, by the way. Great I've, teeth. My teeth are crooked, <laughs> yellow. I've had four root canals. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, no, that dentist. I just I don't, like you know, doctor school. You have to go to doctor school to learn about the human body, and you spend four years of your life. I get that, but you're doing the same thing for thirty-two teeth. What four years to learn? the that why i don't know like how do you how do you how can you explain that to me like you use four years to learn the liver the kidney the heart everything and then the dentist is like yeah we also are a doctor we we (laughs) learn about the mouth for four years like what are you how why i just don't i just don't like them it's like i never liked them it's an interesting point. No, I I hate the dentist. I like my dentist on a personal level. Good yeah. guy, good sweet guy. guy. Sweet someday dude, I yeah. might have him on. Yeah, you know him? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> someday I might have him on here, maybe. But because uh, I want to talk about my my anxiety, my growth and anxiety with the dentist. Now, have you mm. noticed growth? Now, let me ask you this: When we hung out, whatever month that was last year, um, in Albany or Syracuse, I can't remember which one it was. We, we hung out in Albany, and then we hung out at the the show that you did at the basement of that. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. No, I remember yeah, yeah. that. Uh, yeah. Uh, but the Albany weekend was when I was yeah. losing my mind. Was there any yeah. part of you then? Because that was when I was off carbs. I thought that was going to solve my reflux problem. Uh, was there a part of you then when we were talking that you were like, "This guy is losing his mind completely, <laughs> and he's got serious OCD problems." No, I I, I thought that you you just like. Um, you, you're just someone who's like lovable and also just like trying to, trying to understand yourself. Like I, it was just like more like, more of like a humility and very humble about just like, Oh, like, am I doing this right? It's just like, and that's the book ego is the enemy by Ryan holiday. He also talks about like a uh, stoicism a lot where it's just like, you have to be a lifelong learner to kind of. Uh, solve a lot of your problems because if you have the attitude of like learning all the time which like Seneca talks about too in like the earliest uh, stoic stoic teachings is that you have to you never want to be the master you never want to be the best person in a room because then you don't really have anything to do there you just have to go to somewhere else where you can learn and I that's what I felt with your diet and trying to understand and find it that you were like in pursuit of knowledge and wisdom Oh, thank you. That's a very nice way of yeah. looking at it. I appreciate that. I mean, I was, but I was doing that in the name. It was hard for me to recognize at the time, but I was doing that. I was, uh, the fuel for that yeah. was complete anxiety and panic that I was going to have esophageal cancer because I had what turns out to be relatively mild reflux. And um, yeah. I was completely losing my mind, But which I realize now, but was difficult to realize then. But I've figured that out through stoicism and meditation mm-hmm. and yeah. active sobriety and stuff like that but you have come a long way for sure <laughs> thank you i appreciate that and what's that other book ego is the enemy i'll have to e- check that book out yeah ego is the enemy ryan holiday is this guy who kind of introduced me to stoicism he has this like blog called the daily stoic where it, and, oh and it's, i just started listening to that yeah yeah, yeah a podcast so, form too 
Yeah, it's also an app where it gives you like a tidbit of like stoic uh, teaching every day as a reminder. But then you have to have be on the phone. So I don't, you don't need to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Ryan Holiday writes, wrote these two books, which are like kind of taking teachings from stoicism and kind of making it like William Arvin, just like trying to apply it in the daily modern life. The first book uh, was called Obstacle is the Way. And the second one is the, is called Ego is the Enemy. And those two, just like the phrasing of the book is just like, oh yeah, of course. You know, it's just like, like, I love that about self-help books. It's just like, you know what the book is going to be about. Like the power of now is not talking about a plane crash. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like if you, if you, if you like, but, but like movies are very different. Titanic, you have to really, really watch Titanic to understand what it is about. (laughs) But the power of now is about the power of now. Well, Another another book where actually the first place I heard about stoicism was not Sam Harris's podcast. It was in a great book by a guy named Oliver Berkman called The Antidote, which I've talked about on this podcast a bunch. Okay. That's a great book. And it's something there's like a subtitle about, you know, um, the help for people that hate positive thinking or something like that. But it basically the through line is about negative thinking. There's a chapter about Eckhart Tolle and there's a chapter about stoicism and it's a really great book. So that was the first place I kind of learned about stoicism, but I highly, there's a lot of book recommendations here for you guys. Oh, you gotta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Guide to the Good Life by William Irvine, which I have a copy of here. Beautiful, beautiful. That's a great book. And um, the, The Antidote and then Ego is the Enemy and then Deep Focus. What was that called? The Deep Focus, yeah. Deep Focus by Cam Newport. Um, so yeah, so get on those books, everybody. And <laughs> Shafi, this is an amazing episode. I mean, I, I'm thrilled that you did it. And I feel like we got oh, some I'm, good places here. Oh, I, I, like I said, I want to make out. It's, I, I'm in a good, <laughs> good place. I'm melting. I'm melting like a candle. <laughs> where, now, where can, I know you're not a huge social media guy, but where, where can the people find you? Oh, I have my, you know, all the social media stuff. Um, it's, I have the shafi hussein comedy dot c-a-r-r-d dot c-o because i don't i couldn't afford a dot com <laughs> yikes that's embarrassing <laughs> no no I, I can't afford it i just didn't have it because i was like okay you can find me there um you know instagram shafi stands up twitter the same shafi stands up podcast americanized um where i talk about how america influences everything um oh interesting i might have to check that out yeah, yeah. It's I talked about um, how America actually wrote, played a role in the birth of Bangladesh, which is my country, in 1971. I I spent hours listening to Nixon and Kissinger phone conversations. I don't know. This is interesting side side tracking. But no, Nixon Nixon used to tape himself. Nixon yeah. was pre NSA, and and there's all of this phone calls just released on a public domain that anyone can like kind of go and. Um, listen to and it's just so fascinating the kind of conversations Nixon and Kissinger had and how that shaped the Cold War dynamics Um, so yeah so that podcast I talk about how America's different different events like nuclear uh, weapons or the the dollar or uh, state politics how that affects and influences the globe wow wait so first of all yeah there's a great HBO doc called Nixon himself or Nixon something Mm. And his language is atrocious. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it sounds oh. like an episode of Tuesdays with Stories. I mean, oh. it's crazy. Oh, it's it, for sure. It's, oh, and, uh, oh, I wanted to ask you, Tuesdays with Stories. Did you, you read Tuesdays with Maurice, I'm assuming then? I never read it. I just right. knew about it and just did a, a pun based on And Mitch Album is aware of our yeah. podcast. And, uh, <laughs> That's no, so I, great. I, I didn't I actually that. read it. He signed a book for me and he wrote, That's... I won't sue you for this title. <laughs> That's so um, funny. He's a co- comedian. But um, I, wait, so Bangladesh has only been a country since 1971? Yeah. So so if you want a brief history lesson, I'll give you, sure. I'll give you one. Um, nine, so before 1947, everything was India, right? We are all part of India and the British were like, yeah, we don't like it anymore here. We got everything we wanted. Let's get out of here. Um, so they partitioned uh, India into two, which was West Pakistan and East Pakistan, which was one Pakistan and then India in, in the middle. East Pakistan is now Bangladesh, but East Pakistan had its own culture because it was more like close to Bengal um, and West Pakistan was not. And West Pakistan and East Pakistan. So West Pakistan had the the political party, the power and 
they kind of wanted to dominate the people of West, East Pakistan. There was a huge commotion, a genocide, and and uh, and Cold War tactics kind of played a huge part in that. And that's what I was interested in learning, how the first U.S. embat, like one of the U.S. diplomats to East Pakistan, his name was Archer Blood, he wrote this telegram to Nixon saying that uh, West Pakistan and East Pakistan held like election, which everyone knows, and East Pakistan won, but they're not giving the power up to these people, and they're, cre- they're using our weapons that we sell them to create the genocide you got to stop this but because nix because pakistan was allies with the us and they needed pakistan um to spy on russia they kind of didn't want to upset the west pakistani uh, government at the time and there's just like a book about it called the blood telegram where there's like extensively written about how the nixon administration is like uh um, accomplice to the genocide of 71 where so many people died so it's fascinating in its in its own um and just so there's so many different dynamics that played out there but yeah wow. bangladesh was born uh, the, the country bangladesh came out in 71 but the people have been there for like you know years so you're saying nixon wasn't great <laughs> like the thing is that the 1971 genocide doesn't even cup, uh, uh, place in the top three of Nixon's scandals. That's the sad part, you right. know. And Nixon had had also a failed uh, orange juice business in 1938. Can you believe that? He was just the war. He couldn't even like sell a lemonade stand. What? Are, what? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is interesting. I'm fascinating guy, Nixon. Real ugly. Oh. Love football. <laughs> Some for sure he was the he was the he was the president that started law and order he was the one that kind of used that phrase and that kind of right. it's it's so parallel it's so ridiculously fascinating and also uh also a testament to how people don't really read history to understand what is going on right and silent yeah. majority that was his as well it's being silent majority now. yeah silent majority yeah. i see silent majority whenever i'm at a bad open mic it's like no one is laughing silent majority <laughs> Um, well, thanks so much for doing. It. I got, I got to run. I got to go do another podcast in ten minutes. And we started late because my sound was fucked up. Oh, but that's fine. I, was, I thought I was very stoic throughout that process. I loved it. Um, that was great, man. I appreciate uh, appreciate you doing it. And I want to have you on again because it was such a great conversation. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this. Oh, for sure. And, Thank uh, you so much for having me, Joe. I always have a good time looking at your face. And, uh, and I just feel very stoic when I look at you. Like, you don't look like someone who's going to punch me in the face. You know what I mean? just like a very, very like, uh, oh, I can, I can talk to that guy without being intimidated. And it's a compliment. I think it's a uh, compliment. You should take it as one. I and, appreciate it. I take it as a compliment. But also, I'd like to add that I am studying uh, martial arts. And <laughs> I, I could effectively punch somebody in the face, but I would rather I, not. And I love that you do that like when i saw you like uh, last time you were like anyone does kung fu and you're like i can kill wh- every one of you in this <laughs> <laughs> comedy club and it's the funniest thing ever oh um, thanks buddy for sure i'm gonna see you soon hopefully and then uh be safe and be healthy you too thanks buddy i appreciate it we'll talk of soon. course thank you All right. mindful metal jacket is hosted by comedian joe list produced by joe list Edited by Matt Kleinschmidt. Executive producers Robert Kelly and Matt Kleinschmidt for the Laugh Button Podcasts.